What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is a very special one. We are joined by Dave Dufour of The Athletic to talk about the Blazers' first six games of the season. Dave, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, doing okay. I, we, we just talked about this before we started recording, but, uh, I always feel bad saying I'm doing great, but, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Perfect. Well, you know what? That's great. We're happy. Yeah, it's good. Great. Great is the baseline we'd like to, we'd like to all get to regardless of our circumstances. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, the Blazers play a basketball game at seven 30. This, uh, episode is likely to, publish after that game happens and in the sort of spirit of overreacting to every single early season NBA game I I want to ask you like how early is too early to start worrying how early is too early to start celebrating like what do you need to see from teams to sort of draw conclusions or begin to draw conclusions uh this season in particular man I don't know man I'm gonna need like 25 maybe even 30 games just because of, you know, how many guys are going to be missing time, how compressed the schedule is, you know, you have to throw out a lot of games as far as, you know, uh, what you can allow into your, your analysis. There's so many games you have to throw out these, these back to backs against the same team, like to a certain degree, they're meaningless. Like the second game doesn't mean as much. And we're seeing teams, rest guys in the first game and play them in the second game. So uh, I think that for this year in particular, it's going to be too early to make any kind of statements generally, I think until like February. Well, that's, that's good for the Blazers fans out there because I think every game has sort of been a referendum on does the, is this team good or is this team terrible? Um, And they were really good. And then Steph Curry had 62 and then they were terrible again. So uh, whatever happens to this bulls game will certainly, uh, rewrite how everyone feels so don't don't get mad at me or 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 uh dave here we no we're get just... mad at me they're, okay. they're they're probably still mad at me about clyde drexler so <laughs> many of them are many yeah. of them are <laughs> uh i i listened to a podcast with you earlier this week or i believe it's posted last week nowadays i don't know how time works anymore but you were talking yeah. about sort of raising your eyebrows at things yes when you watch the blazers early what what do you raise your eyebrows at well, the defense has not been as cohesive as I expected. I, I really thought that that plugging in, you know, bringing back Nurkic healthy, which you know he looks a little little diminished. Uh, yep, yep. But plugging in Covington and Derek Jones, I, I really thought was going to to make an immediate big time impact. And needless to say, being the what are they? They're bottom five defense. Um, They're twenty eighth as we record. Oh, this. there you go. Yeah. Uh, that has to be unexpected for them. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what needs to happen, uh, schematically for them to improve, but, uh, I do know that they need better communication like that. That's missing big time. It's almost one of these times where you kind of wish they had Caleb Swan again still, cause he was just so good at running defense. He wasn't necessarily great at playing defense, but he was really good at communicating defense. He could yell and point with the best of them. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe and not yeah. Draymond Green, but. True. He could yell and point with the best of the people that have worn Trailblazers jerseys. Um, it, it's 
I guess in in sort of in that light, is there how do how do teams get better at communication in a season where they're not going to practice, where most of what you're doing is watching film and recovery on off days? Like, mm-hmm. where does that come from? Uh, it's going to be from film and it's going to be from playing in games, man. And so, you know, Portland, I thought had this really interesting opportunity to bank wins early where other teams might be scuffling a little bit just due to, you know, the, the short turnaround Denver or Denver, excuse me, Portland actually had a, a ideal situation. They, they not only played, you know, up until the hiatus, like everyone else, they got to come back for the bubble. And they made the playoffs. So they got all of those practices. They got all that training camp. And then they were out in the first round. So they got a ton of rest on top of that. Right. And then another training camp. Uh, the the wrench getting thrown in is adding these new pieces and, and them really trying to figure out how do they work around the Dame and CJ framework up front. And, and honestly, that is kind of an interesting question. Um, if your point of attack defense isn't going to be better, how can the guys that are that are mainly there to help, or at least that's what their role is going to wind up being, um, how do those guys, you know, how are they able to do their job and cover for you if you're not doing yours? And so far, that's it. Some of this is also shooting luck. Uh, you know, teams are really shooting well against them, but but part of that is also scheme as well. It, yeah. It's, it, their luck plays into it, but the defense is not good. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely the case. Like, I don't think they defended Steph Curry terribly, but also they you can't gave, you can't guard him. Yeah, they gave up sixty some points. Like, there has to be. There was some times when maybe they should have sent a second defender early, or maybe they should have just committed further to the trap. But also, sometimes they trap. And Draymond Green, super savant, says, "Cool, mm-hmm. I'm going to cut my roll super short, rescreen, flip it back to you, and you're going to get just a wide open 31 footer because this is the hardest two man game to guard in the league when it's when it's on." So yeah, I, I, I mean, I w- look, outlier performances are not even uh, like from an analysis standpoint. You could we could sit and nitpick every single thing that they did that that Steph Curry took advantage of, right? And certainly that would be instructive. But Steph Curry being able to go off, yeah, you know, he can do that against any any defense, literally any defense. He can do that against, uh, and it's for those reasons that you just mentioned that two man game, and, and they're just not they just weren't putting themselves in good positions to be able to to battle that. And, and I wonder if the next time that they play the Warriors, if they don't try to find a way, I, I don't think Derek Jones can guard him. And I definitely think that uh, Robert Covington can't, but making sure that one of those two guys is involved in every single screen action from Draymond yes. and Steph, every Absolutely. single one, one of those two guys at a minimum, if not both. And, and I say Derek Jones, not because I expect him to be able to stay in front of Steph on the wing, but with his length, he could actually rear view contest. He can do things that other guys like Damon CJ just can't do because they just don't have the length that he has. Although I will say CJ is pretty good at the rear view contest. So yeah, um, it's probably yeah. his best part of his defense is recovering yeah. on the on the rear view contest. I, I I do think that's sort of like the basics of some of Portland's defensive issues is that they are getting caught with too much mellow and canter in the in screen actions, and sometimes both oh. of them both of them together. And I think sort of just like the basics of let's put another guy on who's on who's going to be a screener is like a simple way to clean it up. And that's why it's like six games in, maybe they're not there, but I'll wait. Maybe not. I'm not probably not as patient as you. I'm not going, I'm not going 30 games, but 15 or 20. And then I'll start to really um, 
really mash the panic button. Well, the thing is, I just think we're going to have a lot of junk information. That's sure. the issue. I mean, look sure. at Brooklyn. Look at Brooklyn. They lost Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Durant sitting back-to-backs. Kyrie, I think, might sit back-to-backs. And now Kevin Durant's going to be out for four games. So how much do you, we actually know about what Brooklyn's going to be? I would argue the first game we see Kevin Durant coming back is really the first honest piece of sample data we'll have about what this team is going to be. I guess we've got that that first Hawks game without Spencer Dinwiddie. Right. But, uh, you know, really, we're just starting to see what the Nets actually are now because of that injury and, you know, missing KD for for these games. And so, you know, there's just so many things that are going to be up in the air and more so this season than a normal season because of the COVID safety protocols and because of guys actually contracting COVID and the compressed schedule. I mean, I, the only reason I know this is because, you know, I do game notes with Tony Jones. But mm-hmm. 37 games in 71 days. That's yeah, what the that's Jazz the big have. one. That's the big right? one is Utah. It's 37 so, 71. It's wild. So what in the hell do we actually know about Utah? You know, when when they're playing four games in five nights, do, do what games matter there? The first game or the last game? And so I just think with what we know about how the league works, how important rest is, how much travel can throw things off, how how rotation chemistry matters and all of these things man we're going to be scratching our head at a lot of stuff i think come come the all-star break you know the once the first half of the season's over i think there are going to be some surprise teams that are good and some surprise bad teams and it's all going to be because of how weird this season is overall and i hate to do that because it just feels like a cop-out i'm basically saying well you have to couch every single thing I say yeah. because of the special circumstances. But I'm just, I just try to be honest when I'm talking about this stuff. I never know. I'm always just giving my best educated guess. But this time, I feel like I have less information than I normally have. Part of that, the condensed training camp, sure. not seeing enough preseason, you know, and early season. Teams are actually having to take it a little bit more seriously for, for some teams. And then for other teams, they definitely are coasting. And so it's, I think it's just going to be all over the place for this first half of the season in general. So, yeah, I, I guess I, I accept your premise. I'm just saying me personally, my, my Mike over here, I'm I'm not just not going to be that patient. I'm <laughs> maybe not capable of it with all those, um, you know, with just understanding all those caveats. It's like, I watch the Blazers get blown out twice a week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think they stink. Well, I was gonna say. Now, at a certain <laughs> point, you, you also like. There's the process, and I focus a lot on the process. Obviously, like Nerder, she wrote. That's that's our big thing, right? Um, but ultimately, it is a results business, right? So sure. the results will matter. Like there are coaches that are gonna get fired because of this stuff. There are GMs right. that are gonna get fired at the end of the year because of this stuff. So like jobs are actually on the line. So it's it's easy for me, the guy who doesn't have any skin in the game you know, to say, well, you know, I'm tossing my hands up. I I don't know what to make of this situation. Uh, I think this, and I can be wrong as hell and it doesn't matter, but these guys, (laughs) they've got all of that and they can't be wrong. So, you know, I I have a lot of sympathy for those guys, but you're right. Like you're going to have to have some takeaways at some point. I do think right now, obviously in any season right now would be too early. Um, But in particular in this season, I'd say we're like, 10 games behind or so what sure. we ought to be at. Um, you know, just when you think about how much we haven't seen. So uh, I would say if you normally give it 10 to 15 games, give it 20 to 25 games. 
All right, I want to ask you a little bit more about Yusuf Nurkic in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell my listeners about betonline.ag. The NBA season is in full swing, getting games every night. NFL playoffs start this weekend. It's a wonderful time to get to your online sports book. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, and that's betonline.ag. So sign up today for a free account at BetOnline and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on that action. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. We're still here chatting with Dave DeFore of The Athletic, but before I ask him about Yusuf Nurkic, I want to tell you listeners about Locked on Bets. Look, betting on the Blazers or whatever sport you're into doesn't have to be a guessing game because you can listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You'll get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. So subscribe to Locked on Bets, which is brought to you by the good folks at betonline.ag. It's available wherever you already get podcasts. All right, we talked in the first segment about patience. Blazers season is, by the time you're listening to this, now seven games old. But while I, I certainly do appreciate the long view, I think there is an obvious pressing concern for the Blazers. What is the balance for when a guy like Yusuf Nurkic struggles? What is the balance that you would like to see in terms of like getting him touches and force feeding him to find it, find his rhythm versus sort of saying, "Hey, you don't have it. Let's let's move on." Uh, just well, what's, let's focus what on your offense for now. Your options, I guess, are Ennis Cantor and Ennis Cantor and Harry Giles. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you just gotta, you gotta stick it out with Nurk because like, that's your hope. If Nurk is good, then you're good. If Nurk is bad, then you're not good. You're not necessarily bad, but you're not good. And so when I was talking about this team before the season and felt like they had a really good shot at, at home court advantage, again, the whole rest advantage, adding a bunch of talent, especially on the wing where they really needed it. Uh, now they're not going to over rely on Roddy Hood coming back from an injury. And if he's good, it's a bonus. But if he's not, it doesn't really kill you. You know, there were so many things that I really liked about what they did during the the short off season. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess you just have to stick with Nurk and hope that he's good and finds form. He's not going to find his form not playing. So you right. definitely can't do that because there's no practice time. You know what Ennis Cantor is. Like, you know Ennis Cantor, if you play him 24 minutes, he can get you 12 to 14 points. He can get you 8 to 12 rebounds. Like, you know you can get that, but you also know he's going to give up 20 or 25 on the other end. And yeah, he's going to cost your defense in ways that you don't even imagine because guys are going to be out of position trying to cover for him. Exactly, helping so, the helper and all that. Yeah, exactly. so, so the ripple effects of playing Ennis Cantor are worse than if Nurkic is just bad offensively. And he's been, I think, okay defensively, not up to his normal standards. Um, but the offensive stuff, like they they need a little bit more there. And I wonder if the move isn't getting him more involved at the elbow than he currently is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually letting him operate a little bit as a passer, maybe even face up a little bit and just see if he can find a rhythm. Um, you know, it's tough. He, he spent a lot of time not playing. Got to play in the bubble. I thought he looked really good considering the circumstances. To me, he looks a little bit 
worse from a conditioning standpoint than he was Ab- in the bubble. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which makes a lot of sense, right? Like guy came off injury, rehabbed his tail off for a long time, then played. And then, you know, Hey, look, you got, you got to rest because he was training hard enough that it was almost like playing an NBA season. Right. And so you still have to take time off. But I think that as he's ramping up his activity, uh, we see him round in the shape. He's going to look better. Some of the stuff with him is certainly a conditioning base, but there are, there are parts that are concerning as far as coming back from that injury. But I don't think we can make any kind of determinations long-term on, on Yusuf Nurkic this season, period. Um, but, but for Portland, they need him to be good if they want to be good this year. Yeah, there's just no equation where Nurk isn't involved. Like they, if they're getting where they want to go, Nurk's involved. Uh, he's he doesn't look good right now, but I don't. I just what how there doesn't seem to be a calculation for me where um, where Harry Giles saves the season or something, or they go small and Robert Covington saves the season at center. It's like if if they're going to be good, you you know what it looks like, and it looks like Yusuf Nurkic. Exactly. Exactly. So. I want to talk a little bit more about the Blazers' defense to close out the show. So that's what we're going to do in the third segment. But before we get there, it's time to talk about Bilt Bar. Y'all know Bilt Bar. It's the best-tasting protein bar ever. And if you're not familiar with Bilt Bar, it's the best-tasting protein bar ever. Ain't nothing changed. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, all of which are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're got a candy bar-like texture. If you are someone who has dabbled in the world of protein bars in the past, you know some of them are chalky and dry and gross. That's not what Bill Bar is. Bill Bar's not doing that. They're making delicious bars. I love them, and you'll love them too. But if the deliciousness isn't enough for you, what if I told you that they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber? Every single one of those bars, delicious and nutritious, so go get yourself some. They're available at BuiltBar.com, and you can use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass-first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked on Blazers. Still here chatting with Dave Dufour of The Athletic. We've talked about the need for patience early in a unique season. We talked about Yusuf Nurkic, whose struggles are obvious and him getting right is paramount to the Blazers' future success. But there's another big ticket item that we got to talk about early in the season for this Blazer team. So the big question for this team is, and you mentioned it right off the top, is that they're they're just a bad defensive team right now. Like really mm-hmm. bad. Real bad. <laughs> really just bad in all the different ways. They're bad I, like, trend- like awful. Yes, they're an awful pitiful. defensive team. I'm, they, try, I'm just trying to rub it in. They are pitiful. Yeah, right locked on Blazers. That's at uh, Coach DeFore. At Dave DeFore <laughs> NBA. That's right. Just they uh, are pitiful right now defensively. Yeah. If yeah, you want to see a bunch of numbers, please come to yeah, Twitter. Exactly. Uh, so listen, they they're not they're bad in transition. They're bad in the half court. They're not rebounding great. It's it's every single issue. But mm-hmm. I thought when I was coming to this season, I'm, I'm mapping this team out, kind of getting my sort of saying, here's my predictions. And I thought, you know, maybe they'll be like right at middle of the road, like maybe slightly below average, 16, 17 in the league. Is that still a realistic ceiling for this Blazers defensive team? 
I think so. Again, it, it is early, right? And, and yeah. if they're going to have a top 10 offense and if they're going to be middle of the road on defense, we kind of know what that is. So, uh, you know, that's that's somewhere between 5 and 10. I think 5 and 10 out West might be separated for by three or four games. Like, it's going to be very tight. Really close. Tight. Yeah. But, but top 10 offense, t- maybe 15th, let's say-ish defense, you know, you're in that mix. If they could be top 7, top 12 now all of a sudden you're talking about potentially being in that upper tier which i know that they want to be um if you had told me that they were going to be scoring the ball the way that they are uh and and go 500 in their first six games i would have been shocked because i really thought this defense was going to be you know not a calling card but a hallmark for them i I thought the defense was going to be such a surprise this year that we would all kind of alter our expectations um, I was thinking top 10 for defense just because of the guys that they added and having Nurk back. Um, clearly, it's not going to be that because I think it's going to take them too long to find their footing. Right. Um, but, you know, they got to they got to sort that out if they have any chance. You know, I'm assuming this is a team that not only has playoff aspirations, but, you know, finals, at least Western Conference finals aspirations. Um, and they're not looking like that kind of team right now. Yeah, they're looking like like. If the if the top tier is the LA teams and that sort of then there's that crowded second tier, the Blazers are looking like they're maybe not in that crowded second tier right now. Like today, as we record this, they're gonna they're gonna smoke the Bulls tonight at home, and um, all this pessimism is gonna look foolish. But I, I'd rather it be in that direction than over optimistic. That's kind of my brand. Um, it how do you get there on defense? Like is this is this without we don't need to go too deep in the tactical stuff. They've tried a couple different things on defense. They're trying to be a little mm-hmm. more aggressive, but is, is this just, is this a patience thing? Is this just Nurk gets his, his juice back or is this, do they need a, uh, some sort of, you know, re- reconfigure the lineups to have less mellow and canter or let, you know, a better defensive second unit. What do you have a, just a quick solution? I mean, I think that you just need more out of Nurk, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You get they got to do a better job of running teams off the three point line. Like they're they're dropping a lot, which of course that's what you do in the regular season. Like we saw that happen with the Milwaukee Bucks last year. They gave yep. up a ton of threes. Um, you know, teams are are hitting at a pretty decent rate uh, against Portland right now, but they're giving up too many threes. They got to run teams off the line a little bit better. You know, get them into those less choice mid rangers. You know, the contested mid rangers, the yep. stuff that actually CJ is great at trailing shooters coming off screens and forcing them into those pull-ups, but you just need more of that. And, and until they can pull that off, the, the rest of the defense is, is going to struggle because they are just giving up too many threes right now. So yeah, they, uh, you give up a ton of threes. Now all of a sudden you're not, you're not creating pressure in the spots where you need to your, your drop coverage is going to come up higher. And then all of a sudden you're going to start giving up more stuff at the basket. Yeah, I think they just they haven't contained the ball very well. It's just like straight no. up dribble drive gets into the paint. Now you're scrambling in rotations and it's and it's everything there. Well, uh, they're also not doing there's no defensive playmaking. Right? Yeah. Like they're not costing they're not taking away enough possessions from the opposition. Plain and simple. They, yeah, they're they have, just not doing that. They had one game where they did it against the Lakers and it was like, "Oh, this mm-hmm. team's good." And but then the other five they really haven't they have not been there. So the idea was that uh Derek Jones and and Covington were going to add to that defensive playmaking. They were going to they were going to make a low turnover team and just sort of like a mid-range turnover forcing team and and we just haven't seen that yet. Um it's like like we keep saying here, 
it's early, but we'll, uh, right now they're not where they need to be. Yeah. And, and here's the, the one issue. The one thing I'll say is, is as far as the results go, it get it's going to get late early this season. Yep. And it is going to teams are going to start feeling the crunch earlier than ever. I mean, we're already seeing teams pull the plug in blowouts faster. Totally. Right? We're we're seeing them trying to sneak rest where they can. Um to the point where I think it's going to it's going to greatly alter rotation strategy as the season progresses. I mean, that Warriors game the other day, are you telling me that if the Warriors had started Steph Curry at the beginning of the fourth quarter and he throws out, let's say in the first four minutes, he put, you know, he does what he did later on in in the fourth that Terry Stotts wouldn't have pulled the plug on his yeah, start. Exactly, Absolutely. Exactly. So I think we're going to see teams start taking that knockout blow attempt. We're going to see them start throwing those haymakers, trying to, trying to essentially get teams to pull the plug early. So, you know, you've got to figure this stuff out on the fly and you you got to do it soon because you know we're already what ten percent of the way through the season. I think, I think it, my math about eight percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's happening. Mm-hmm. Dave, thank you so much um, for joining us. If if you're looking for more of Dave's work, he's on the Athletics NBA show in various iterations. Several. Of yeah. Them. Yeah, I'm on a bunch of stuff. I'm all so over you, the place. You'll find him. He's talking into microphones professionally all over the web. Uh, check him out. You'll it, listen. You can find Dave Dufour. You're a smart listener. I'm talking. I'm to not you. hard I'm to, to find you. at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, not hard to find. Exactly. Uh, appreciate you you joining us and and lending your expertise. We we really appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll try to do it again soon. Yeah, man. Anytime. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already find podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.